I don't like it telling me that. Before it was just silent, and now it's recording in progress. Welcome mm-hmm. back, Mister Dorito, to the Granite Zero podcast. Always a privilege to have you on, sir. Samo, thanks for uh, bringing me back on. It's been it's been almost a year since our first podcast back last August at the end of that time frame. When I first went on Andy, that's when you guys reached out to me. So it's been almost a year. It's almost a year. My time time just flies by. It really does. <laughs> it does. And there's been uh, a lot of changes, a lot of developments. I mean, your podcast has exploded. I mean, you hit episode 100. I mean, that's awesome stuff, man, that you've been expanding your podcast and doing your thing and helping so many other people. I could say that same for you with all your little different avenues that you've got down. You've got the dark saber going on. Yep. And uh, we just actually finished up season one and we finally got that all published out. Uh, interesting thing about the dark saber podcast was that we actually had a government hack interference on the last Ooh. couple episodes. So it, ended up getting delayed getting fully published until just a few weeks ago because we actually found out that some government entity went into our google drive and messed up some of our final episode recordings uh trying to prevent it from getting published and we had to re-record some stuff we had to reach out to other people Uh, a lot of people didn't even want to come on the show anymore because they were too scared about what was going on like yeah and i know this sounds like jason Bourne and my (laughs) sex type crazy shit but like it was uh, the interesting thing that we found out was, so I guess I should give an, an update about where the, where our case is at. Yeah. So, yeah. so officially uh, the case was dismissed again at a federal court, but, but it's not technically over. The U S legal system is very odd in how it works. Um, and we're discovering a lot of interesting avenues about how much power the U S military has over the government here in our country, which is actually highly concerning. And it's it's something I've been trying to bring out attention to, uh, especially for like an international audience as yourself, because everyone thinks that the US is this place of freedom and democracy and justice. And I will tell you that it almost as if there it's an oligarchy with the military here, where we have the three branches of government, right? We have the executive branch, which is the president of the United States, in that office. And we have the legislative branch, which is the Senate and the members of Congress, the House of Representatives. And then we have the judicial branch. And all those three systems are designed to keep each other in check and balance. Well, the problem that we've discovered and something that Dorito versus USA has completely exploited is that the military reserves its rights outside of that system. They, they believe that they don't have to abide by any of those branches of government and that they're, they don't have to listen to anything. And this is Something that's been brought up in previous cases in the U.S. Supreme Court where you have Parker versus Levy, and which is basically a case that says, you know, do service members have First Amendment rights, right? Can you speak out against the government? Can you speak out? And, and obviously there's entities where you can't. Obviously you can't speak out against the president of the United States uh, as a member of the armed forces. That, you know, that makes sense. But it goes into this gray area of, well, what about the rest of our constitutional rights? You know, do I have the right against search and seizure? You know, do I have a right to privacy? You know, do I have a right to have private phone calls and emails and all this other stuff? And that's a gray area. And it's something that it has been exploited since 9-11 with the Patriot Act. And U.S. government surveillance agencies have been taking it upon themselves to just go into your phone, go into your email, 
do whatever they want. And I think a lot of that got exacerbated after the whole January 6th riot incident. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually got I actually got deployed to the Capitol for that. Did see. Um, I was yeah, I was deployed as a as part of the Washington, D.C. security task force. And it was very interesting because I'll speak about what I can speak about. But uh, let's just say that it's not what people think, think, thought it was. Yeah. You know, we got there, we got there and there's four 20 foot fences that we had to erect between the Capitol buildings and all these other government buildings and the public. And when we were there, it was a ghost town. There was nobody in that, in that area. And everyone thinks Washington DC is very big, but it's kind of like London. It's actually a very small, very compact area, right? Um, TV makes it look a lot bigger than it actually is. But you go there and these senators and these Congress people are so detached from reality. You yeah. know, they're, well, first of all, they call us up and we're on a 72 hour deployment notice and we're packed into a bunch of C 130s and we land in the middle of the night. And next thing you know, we're all kitted up, fully, fully armed, and we're walking around DC and it's almost as if they wanted nothing to do with us. You know, and they they are so yeah. It was kind of ridiculous because, for example, one of the senators from Colorado, who's one of my personal representatives, I live in the state of Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh he shows up with like a pizza, and he's like, "Hey guys, thanks for doing what you're doing." Well, there's a hundred and ten of us, and you showed up with one pizza. What? Just just one. Just, just one. one. <laughs> Take, takes takes his Instagram photos with his PR team, shakes yeah, a few yeah. hands, take and walks away. You know what I mean? Um, we were, we were used as a political pawn, I believe. And it was, you know, I support the troops and I support the troops. And at the end of the day, it's like, if I hear one more person say I support the troops and not actually understand what we're doing, we were, we were sleeping on floors and, and then they huddled us away because it looked bad on the news to have us all sleeping on the marble floors of these buildings and stuff. And yeah. it's army life, though. We expected that. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, no, this, this is going to be a complete clusterfuck when we go there. It was completely disorganized. We it, it ended up leveling out. Like, we ended up getting in hotels later on in the weeks after. But, you know, at first, when you do it, when the military does a rapid deployment like that, uh, it's just all hands on deck and everyone's yeah, standing around, hurry up and wait. Yeah. All right. You know? I love that. <laughs> That's one of yeah. the best sayings ever. Hurry up and wait. Um, it wasn't. It was interesting, though. I mean, walking around. I mean, I definitely got to take the uh, the guided tour around the Capitol building by myself in the middle of the night that no one else gets to do on those those public nice. tours. So yeah, 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 got to see all this. Got to see all this crazy old stuff from immediately post revolution, pre Civil War time frame that's not available to the public because I was on a uh, security detail. And by security detail, I was Nicolas Cage from National Treasure, just walking around <laughs> trying to find, yeah. trying to find all this cool stuff. Trying to find some. Um, but yeah, the way it was uh, depicted in the in the news, like it was like like you said, it was a ghost town. But what we saw, it was a it was like a fucking war zone. It was like well, that's so that's like, that's like another misconception I think about what was going on because if these people, whoever they were, you know, because. To, to be honest, I wasn't there on the day that it happened. So I can't say, hey, this is it was yeah. these types of people or this type of party. But from interviewing and talking to a lot of the actual law enforcement officers on the ground when I was there, even they said this isn't what people think it is. It's, you know, this this looks like it was an, an organized um, protest 
that had a few bad actors that caused kind of a crowd panic. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we, we, we had it over here with the with a few of the London riots with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and, and things. Um, right. Yeah, and it, and it seems like there's a couple that want to cause more chaos and whether they've been like <laughs> conspiracy theory wise, whether they've been put there for a reason um, to cause these things to make it look worse than it is, etc. Uh, yeah. And, and just from the video evidence and stuff that we saw, I mean, there was, there was people blatantly putting on, you know, Trump stuff yeah. before running down the road. That's suspicious. I'm not, I'm not saying what is what, right. You know what I mean? But it was, yeah. It was very odd, right? And the interesting thing, though, is that it got me in contact with a lot more people when I went to D.C. Um, in concerning my case, right? Yeah, Where yeah. they're like, wow, wow, this, this guy really is serving in the Army, and he really is here, and he's doing his job. And I got connected with some, some lobbyists and some political activists down there when I was in D.C., so it was actually a good way for me to make connections for my case when I was there. So the 10th district court of appeals came back right after we had finished publishing dark saber. So it took them almost a year and a half to respond to us. And some of the stuff that was in their, the government's reply brief, the U S military's reply brief was very interesting because some of the stuff was from the podcast in episodes that had not been published at the time. Ooh. So where are they getting this information, that's, right? Yeah. And that's that's fucking yeah, it, it, ring. That is that is like woo. Hang on a minute. That doesn't mean yeah. Public. I'm like what well, motherfucker. Yeah. So we we <laughs> had we had did an interview with uh, Rebecca Saltzman, who's a, a psychologist or counselor out here in the United States, and there was a lot of things talked about in that podcast that we hadn't published yet. And the the U.S. government's reply brief had a lot of things that she mentioned in their reply brief, and none of that information was public yet. So that immediately raised a bunch of red flags of there's something more nefarious going on with the Air Force Academy and what they're trying to do and what the U.S. Attorney's Office is trying to do. And the executive branch, the judicial branch and the legislative branch aren't acting on it. They're letting the military do this. And the most concerning thing was I actually won my so-called oral argument in court. The, the judge came back and stated that my constitutional rights were violated by the U.S. military and then falsifying my mental health records. But then what they said at the end of that was, but it's not our responsibility to make a decision on how justice should be dealt to you. This is a military matter and must be handled by the military. Yeah. Well, obviously the military is not going to give me any justice, which is why I went to oh, yeah, exactly. you. Yeah. So now we're in this, we're in this really weird time where, they mandated that we go back to the Air Force Board of Corrections of Military Records, which is basically just a, an administrative review process in the military, which I've been through already. I've been through it several times already. And they say, well, you have to just ask again. Maybe ask nicer. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> please, you know? please, can we do it again? Pre but but with, a, with a cherry on top or? Yeah, with a cherry hey, on top. Maybe, hey, maybe, maybe you could just take them a pizza. Just one note. Just one pizza. I should give them back the pizza they gave to me. You know what I mean? Just one, <laughs> yeah, one pizza. And but here's here's the interesting thing though is that 
you know, we had sent some letters to some high ranking members of Congress and, and within the president's office and stuff, basically the same letter changing around some names going, you know, there's a famous thing that my lawyer likes to say when he met General Schwarzkopf. General Schwarzkopf was the commanding U.S. general in the first Gulf War back in the 90s. Yeah. And, you know, he always said that, you know, the chain of command is a ladder. But if every rung to that ladder is broken, that gives you permission to go immediately to the top. Right. And that makes sense because we we you and in the U.S. you have to play the game like you have to go through the chain of command. You have to work your way up the ladder because if you don't, then they just say, well, you're jumping the chain of command. Yeah. You're not following these processes and stuff. Right. So we wrote a letter to the Undersecretary of Defense, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the Air Force and the President of the United States. So basically the three highest members in the chain of command for my case, the Secretary of the Air Force refused to respond, which we expected. And then the Secretary of Defense replied, me as little old E4 Specialist Dorito sends me a letter to my house stating that we have eyes on your case. But we're also recommending you go back to the Air Force Board of Corrections and Military <laughs> Records again. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. We understand that. But the problem is the Secretary of the Air Force isn't going to do anything. You know, yeah. that's why we asked you to tell the Secretary of the Air Force what to do. And then interestingly enough, the next week, which is something I posted on my Instagram, we got a letter from the White House. Now, I don't know how many tens of thousands of letters that people send to the White House, but I got a letter back as Specialist Dorito from the White House stating that they are demanding that the secretary of the air force respond to my case, which is interesting because no one has ever told the secretary of the air force to do that yet. No. So that's good for us. I mean, that's unheard that's a, of. It's, that's a, that's a hell it's, unpre of a it's, un it's unprecedented. So for us, what we're going to do is we're going to play their game. They want us to submit another administrative review packet. They want us to submit you know, the same thing over and over again. Um, with our argument about why my degree should be reinstated, why my commission should be reinstated, and why my medical records were used against me when I, and retaliated against when I reported sexual assault and all that stuff at the Air Force Academy years ago. And basically the feeling is if the Secretary of the Air Force doesn't do their job now, then that gives permission for the President of the United States to intervene. Because in my opinion, he has to, he has to give them the chance to do their job, right? And if yeah, they yeah. fail to do their job, you know, then it go above. So we'll see what happens. You know, there's no promises or guarantees of what's going to happen. But the fact that I even got a letter back from the two highest ranking members in the chain of command in the U.S. government. Yeah. Uh, as a lower enlisted person is. Yeah, interesting. it de definitely shows that there's definitely some sort of traction going on. Enough, uh, enough being spoke about, which is good. It gets other people listening and, and getting eyes on. That's always a win. Well, it, and to be fair, it's it's because of guys like you, Tomo, because, I mean, after my case went public and I interviewed on your podcast and that expanded to other podcasts, and then, then we started doing more episodes and more interviews. And I've gotten in contact with Lindsay Rowland, who does the Carry On podcast. She's, she's the lobbyist in D.C. Yeah. So that got me some more eyes and ears. And then it just expands. It's, this is all a community, homegrown, grassroots movement where, honestly, podcasting has changed my entire life on how this case is being handled without – being able to tell not only my side of the story, but present my evidence to people, you know, whether it's on my website or anything else showing, no, this is, this is what's going on. And I might be some small fish in a, in a giant ocean, you know, when it comes to this stuff, but it, it causes people to pay attention. It's what's going to cause change yeah, in the U S military. And, and 
just having the balls to fucking start speaking up about it has shown that other people will then start going, well, that fucking happened to me. It's the same, um, uh, not to the same degree, but in terms of uh, the mental health thing over in um, the British military, it's like one minute, one person's got, like puts a hand up and says, I've got a problem. People give him shit. No, you fucking don't. Whatever. Then it's somebody else heard you say that. And they're like, oh, no, actually, I'm struggling. And then I'm struggling. And then it's just a big fucking explosion of, of this fucking rotten core that we've got in our in our military in terms of mental health and how we um, how we deal with that sort of stuff. Um, in terms of sexual assault, obviously, I have no idea what goes on in the British military in terms of that sort of stuff because not directly affected. But, you know, just by having the balls to stand up and speak about it is obviously fucking working out. Well, it's a, a long you... process. Don't get me wrong. A long process. It is. I mean, it's it's been 11 years. It's at the rate we're going, it's probably going to be another 10 years, right? But, um, you know, what I like to say to people is that if I quit now and I don't finish this out, who else is going to take up the reins? Nobody. Exactly. No, one, no one's going to put this amount of time and effort into this. And if we really have the opportunity to change the law, here in the U.S. and how the military handles things and taking power away from the U.S. military. Uh, and like I said, this is this is a generational war problem. You know, ever yeah, since yeah. ever since we started that war in 01 again, um, the, the military has gotten a blank check with no supervision to do whatever they want. And now, you know, you call the hens home, so to speak. And now it's, you're seeing the effects of mental health. You're seeing the effects of, you know, guys getting burned out from dozens of deployments yeah, yeah. And, and now you're seeing an effect on, you know, there's kids growing up without fathers and mothers, you know, it, it created a generational war for over 20 years that we weren't just involved in the UK was involved in it. Germany was involved in it. Australia was involved in it. I mean, it's had detrimental effects and it's almost like they don't want to take responsibility for the cost of war. You know what I mean? It's, and it's not just in, it's not just in money, it's in, you know, staggering mental health issues. And I mean, if you think about it, although there's obviously significantly more losses, I mean, World War II was five years, about seven years, you know what I mean? Not yeah, 20 yeah. years, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously we fought war a little differently back then, <laughs> but, but it's, um, it's almost, it's interesting to see about what the effects of this are going to be on and our U.S. or international service members going to stand up for their rights and go, you know, maybe it's time to take a step back and realize that they need to take care of soldiers in a better way that not only is physical fitness important, but so is mental fitness. Oh, and, and that's something I've been trying to, you know, you've gotten a lot of shit for it in the past. I get shit for it all the time. Like, you know, you guys are just a bunch of bitches and you, you know, you're just complaining because the system didn't work out for you. And I'm like, no, I'm just one of the few guys that's talking up against a system that's broken because none of you are doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh, people have a hard time accepting that. And when you get down to it, though, it's they probably have the same issues that they're going through with as well. And they're just not admitting to it. You know, they're, they're going to have problems. They're, they're the guys who wake up screaming with nightmares all the time, but they don't want to admit that they need to talk to somebody or that they need to take care of their mental health or anything like that. 100 percent. 100% on that. It's... And it's 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 going to catch up to us. You know what I mean? And unless we admit that we have a problem and that it's okay to, to work through those issues. There's going to be more domestic violence. There's going to be more spousal abuse. There's going to be more soldiers taking their own lives. And, 
we can either ignore it or we can just admit we have a problem and start taking care of it and not be embarrassed to talk about these things that make us very uncomfortable. Sexual assault and mental health have become significant issues, um, not only in our military, but the international militaries. And you know what? If you want my personal opinion, it's a perfect strategy that our peer adversaries use against us, because if we are destroying ourselves within, well, then we're not worried about we're not yeah, worried yeah. about the guys shooting over the hill. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like we're doing their own mental warfare for them by not helping each other, just fucking letting us rot from the inside. It's Well, they've gotten really good at it. I mean, you've seen, I mean, even in the U.S., the, the Russian slash Chinese, you know, state actors have gotten into infrastructure pipeline systems on computers, you know? Look at the mental health effect that had. You had people trying to put gasoline or petrol in a, in garbage bags within 24 hours because they were running out of fuel. Well, you're just completely distracted from the fact that, well, <laughs> you're more worried about putting gas in your car. You're not worried about us hacking into your computer or now affecting your military or, you know, uh, what's going on overseas at this base now because you guys are so preoccupied. In, in my opinion, it's a long play strategy wise. And it's working. Cool. Um, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Iranians, they know what they're doing. And they realized that, yeah, I mean, we could go down and steal another airliner, I guess, and crash it into a bunch of skyscrapers and kill a thousand people, but or a couple thousand people. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're just going to keep fighting us and bombing us. But if we tear them apart from within to make them hate each other, yeah, and then they're constantly criticizing each other, they don't have to fire a shot. And it's going to cause it. It's yeah. going to cause a drastic effect in our mental and, and physical ability to fight yeah. our actual adversaries. Yeah. I think I heard it on Rogan as well, that, that little things that they do through social media and, and whatnot, where they'll make a page that is, for example, an extreme white power movement. And they'll get a load of people signing up to that and they'll go, right, we're going to do a rally on this street. And then, another social media one will come up and it's supreme like a black power movement and they're going to do one on the same street and you're going to both rally together and oh look what we've just caused and it's like nobody thought about this <laughs> it's fucking madness and if you want to think about it it's brilliant yeah you know what i mean of course it is. it's it's absolutely brilliant because you can't you can't point the finger at one person and say it's their problem yep and it's one thing I, I encourage people all the time is social media is a chronic wasting disease that you need to step away from, you know, and like even on my platform, I try to be as positive as possible. Sometimes I put some funny memes. Sometimes I, I poke jokes at the U.S. Air Force or, you know, some other ridiculous incident yeah. they're dealing with. Like, for example, I, I posted that Wheel of Fortune clip yesterday of, a yeah, Air Force, <laughs> of an Air Force Academy cadet completely screwing that up, you know, best and brightest in America. Right. And doesn't know how to spell exclusive, which is hilarious. Um, but, but in general, um, I don't, I don't speak partisan politics. I don't try to create more of a divide between members of my own country. Um, I try to bring up a uniting factors of, you know, my big advocacy is mental health and military justice reform. And that's what I stick to because that's what I'm an expert on. Uh, but other than that, I'm just going to show you pictures of my dog and my chickens and how good life can be outside of that bubble. Yeah, yeah. And if we, and if we become so absorbed 
into not wanting to take care of one another. At the end of the day, we're all humans. And at the end of the day, we all need to learn to love and respect each other. Because if we don't, you're just giving our adversaries more of a reason to continue the mission of what they're doing. And that's to break up democratized countries, which is whether it's us or the UK or anything else. And it's, it's, the fact is that they don't have to do anything other than make a bunch of insane Facebook or Instagram posts to do it is people need to be more intelligent. You know what I mean? They need to read and research and use DuckDuckGo, get the hell off of Google. You know what I mean? If if you really need to find information, there's ways of finding it. But in, in general, sometimes you don't need to, care just take a step back yeah. go off for a walk go lift some weights yeah i'm 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 bad for it for well from time to time my missus always says i can't i can't leave something i'll see something i go well that's fucking stupid and then i'll make a quick-witted comment on it or something and next thing i know i'm like why did i bother you know it's like why did exactly. i even comment on that and then it's it's other things as well that people have got to realize is just because you disagree on something doesn't mean you have to fall out. Like, right? You can have a uh, you can have a debate, you can have an argument, but at the end of the day, you can still be a, you can still be mates. Me and my best mate of thirty odd years, he uh, played in my charity football match on the on the weekend soccer match. Um, we we could we couldn't be more different. Like he's a he's an academic. He's very much to the left where. I'm a military guy. I'm very much to the right, and but we're we're still best mates. We have uh, little things in common. We both love basketball. We both love sports, that sort of thing. But anything politics, politics wise, I, we just don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like no, we won't do it because we'll end up having an argument. That's what most people need to do. Just talk about things that you're both interested in. You don't need to have an argument about. Labour and Conservative or Trump and Biden. It, just just let it go. You know, it's it, to be fair, it, it, that's actually why I started my second podcast, the Embark podcast, is because, one, I was getting sick of talking about depressing things like sexual assault. There's only so many time, people I could talk to because, you know, we, we talk to over 50 cadets. We have hours and hours and hours and hours yeah. of interviews. Some we didn't even publish because we ran out of time within our you know, yeah. 10 episode limit kind of thing. And, uh, but what I, what I wanted to do is try to put a positive spin on things. And two, it's also a placeholder between seasons for dark saber. So yeah, yeah. like we, we cool. plan on publishing season two uh, sometime in February. So we'll be recording over the summer and, you know, doing interviews over the internet and then we'll compile all that and then write the storyline and publish probably sometime in January, February, 22. But in the meantime, I don't want to stop talking to people. I love, you know, one thing, and I'm sure you'll agree this podcasting stuff has become amazingly therapeutic. Oh, you know, it's It's cathartic. And the fact that I'm helping people talk about their stories or their problems or the positive things that they're doing to make changes in their community makes me feel like I'm helping to better the human race. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the Embark podcast is something where it has nothing to do with uh, my Air Force Academy case at all. It's completely independent. It's just a free form thinking. And like, for example, um, the first episode, I interviewed a uh, special forces combat medic, um, SOCOM medic, who was also a Blackwater contractor. And really? now uh-huh. and now he, he uh, teaches in a liberal school system. So talk about two opposite sides of the yeah, spectrum. Yeah. And then and it, it's a fat, it was a fascinating discussion. And uh, I interviewed 
uh, one of the girls who did the Chris Hansen's to catch a predator back in uh, about a decade ago with Chris Hansen, where she pretended to be a, you know, a young teenage girl. And they were trying to trap all these predator guys here in the United States who were trying to have sex with kids. And uh, she was an inspiration to me because I, I based a lot of my work when I worked for the office of special investigations on yeah. some of the collective work she was doing in the civilian um, law enforcement side. But then we, we ended up talking about yoga and self-healing and, and mental health. And, and she moved yeah, to yeah. Bali. She left, she left the United States and moved to Bali to start her own fitness and mental wellness company. And, you know, we, you know, then I talked to a canine handler. Uh, I talked to some people in DC uh, I talked to Andrew Gruel. He's an American celebrity chef that we ended up connecting on Twitter for five minutes and he came on the podcast. So it's been a really great way to talk to people outside of uh, the small niche that we specialize in with the military sexual yeah, assault yeah. reform stuff and, and just keep the conversations going. And I mean, the whole object of that podcast, it's, it's something that I'm definitely going to be interviewing you on there about your podcast in the future, right? Absolutely. Is, uh, it's you know, just normal people making a positive impact on their community. You know, we all don't need to be the rock to make a difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to be, you know, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to get attention about the positive impacts I'm doing for a children's hospital. There's plenty of other normal, regular people like you and I who have been doing those things and expect no accolades. And those are the people that I'm interested in talking to. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons why I try and vary the guests that I have on on the Granite Zero podcast because I found myself similar to yourself where I was just getting military guys on, and it's and it's like there's only so much stuff I can talk about military wise before I'm like well, I'm a bit bored of talking about this, or in the same yeah. thing, same breath, just talking about mental health aspects of things, and it, it that in itself can be quite draining. However, it does help because I am, I'm still talking and that's what I like doing. I like coming on and I like talking to fucking whoever. Like I, like I said, I have my best mate, Chris on who, who is the, uh, is, is an academic. He's a senior lecturer in Manchester university. And it's like, we couldn't be more different, but it's one of the better, best episodes that I've done because it's just two blokes having a conversation about anything. It's like, yeah, we're not solely talking about his lectures. We're not solely talking about my experiences. It's, it's like, it's like now, for example, I've, I've, I've got to, I've got to self isolate for ten days because my eldest has got COVID. Right, looking at my eldest, you'd go, "There's nothing wrong with her." She had a headache, and because her best mate tested and he came up um, positive, we went, "Oh, we best test, test her positive." We were like, "Fuck." Now we're gonna stick and stay in that fucking house for ten days. Oh, pain in the ass. But it gets gets me out of work for ten days. I can work work from home on the laptop. Yeah, you know what Perfect. I mean. Perfect. I mean, you know, that's why. That's one thing. I would say that's one positive development about COVID was that people were able to reconnect with maybe themselves yeah. and start taking care of their families more versus working their life away. You know what I mean? And just going to work, getting up, taking care of the kids, getting in the class, go to this, then go yeah. back to work and then Groundhog come day. back. And yeah, exactly. And for me, it, it made me slow down a little bit. And I know some people had a bad experience with COVID. I get that. But honestly, COVID is one of the best things that happened to me because I got to concentrate. I got to concentrate on developing these two podcasts, the Dark Shaver podcast and the Embark podcast. I got to really focus on taking care of my mental health. Like 
it's one thing like this whole uh, mini farming project I've started out here in my property. That is 100% like therapy for me. I go out there and I'm building stuff or, you know, trying to grow vegetables and try to make something. And it's like, God, I I did this with my own two hands. And that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, even with work, uh, I, I, you know, obviously I still work a normal day job. I work in critical infrastructure for the energy industry, but there's not as many meetings wasting my time anymore. We're not just sitting around bullshitting for three or four hours around the water cooler kind of thing. You know, we go in, we get know what we need to do but i mean i work out at work now i i I catch up on my reading you know uh you know just always trying to learn new things and reading about stuff and it's uh i i hope that covid has taught people the value of their personal relationships and that why it's important to take care of themselves i think so and i think it also shows a lot of people like the amount of bullshit they actually do while they're at work instead of actually doing work like they're at home they're they, they seem to be more productive things get done because you're like well if i get that done i can chill out because i'm at home exactly and i'm hoping that the corporate whether the corporate world in general has more of a realization realizing that there's a lot of jobs that people can do from home and that we should allow them to work from home i mean it saves money in rental space for office buildings you know what i mean keeps track if you're all worried about this whole like global climate change crap keeps more cars off the road, burns less unnecessary fuel, people commuting and driving and taking public transportation and everything else. I mean, like for me, I have to go to work to do my job. I have to physically put my hands on oil and gas infrastructure things to make it work. Right. But there's a lot of jobs, a lot of corporate jobs that you just don't need to be in the office, man. Yeah, of course not. You just don't don't need to be here. And you'd rather, I'd rather you spend more time with your, your spouse and your kids and you work four or five hours out of the day, get it all done, get all the work done in an eight hour workday done in half the time and spend more time with your family. I think it's more important. 100%. You only get one life. You only get one life, man. I mean, do you want to work away 30 years of it in your younger years and then then retire and be, yeah, then you're old and you're like old and uh, broken. (laughs) Oh, what could I have done different? But. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And tell you what I did during this, uh, all this time, I, I, I meant, semi mentioned it a second ago was the uh, charity football match that I uh, put on the soccer, soccer. Yeah, I've been watching that. And yep. uh, it was, it was brilliant. I had, it was so much stress in the build up because it ended up taking us two years to get it done because uh, when it was supposed to be played, it was cancelled because COVID. Um, but then it was, no, you can play this day. So it was last Sunday, so the 11th. And it was like, brilliant. Let's get it all done. Uh, big shout out to my, my old man. He helped out quite a fair bit with um, a bit of the costing and, and whatnot. That's by the by. We ended up raising approximately £2,000. I'm not sure what that is in dollars. We'll call it the same. We'll just say it's the same. I think it's close to like $3,500. So, because you're like, yeah. what's uh, I think a British pound's like $1.68 or something like that. We'll go, with, US, we'll, like that. we'll go with that. It's weird. Currencies are weird. But yeah, we raised a, a fair, a fair ch- chunk of uh, money for it. And the day itself was just, it was brilliant. The weather, it was all right. It was, it was still hot to play. I mean, we're playing on that on that fake AstroTurf style grass or not grass, and it was it was hot, but it was just brilliant. And, and if I'm honest, you could tell we were playing against ex-professional 
soccer players. It was ridiculous. The way they were passing the ball about, we were like, holy shit. But, yeah. And then we ended up having a few drinks afterwards and watched England lose the final. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was, a, it was a great day. And But the whole build-up was taking a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. I was getting a bit stressed, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, it's Monday after the game and I was like oh now, now what and like all week the missus has been like are you all right it's like yeah I'm just a bit it's it's like a big chunk is missing there's something she's like don't do another one don't organize another event or do another event it's like oh but I gotta I gotta do something it's I've it's a running joke so when I first left the military, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I ended up doing one of those Spartan races. Um, mm-hmm. I did the, I did the, 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 the longest one that they did in the UK. I think it was half a marathon, something like that. Uh, I think it's 13 miles. Um, because in my head, I was like, well, I could do the easy one, the sprint as it was, because it's only 5k or whatever it is. I was like, I could do that. I could do the medium one easy. I want to test myself. I'll do that one. So I did that first, and then then it was like, ah, oh, brilliant. Now what? And then I did a boxing match for, for cancer research. I ended up doing a charity boxing match. So I did that, and it was like, ah, oh, now what? And then, now it's been the football game. And it's like, ah, oh, now what? <laughs> it's like, she's like, stop organizing stuff for charity. It's like, yeah, I just like doing stuff, I think. I said I'd play in another game if someone else organized it. I'd play. It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> well, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head there where, you know, we're starting to do things that not only make us feel better, but we're also benefiting other people at the same time. And I think, uh, like I said, COVID made us care more about our fellow humans in a way. And, I think, I also, so, yeah. and also in a way helped us be happier with who we are and discovering who we are as individuals. And, you know, just the corporate rat race beforehand – uh, really took away from those experiences. And I'm hoping people like do things like you're doing where it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to start a charity match or I'm going to go benefit cancer. Or I'm going to go do something fun that I like, but also helps other people. And I'm hoping that, you know, get off the damn Facebook, get off the damn Instagram and go out and do something positive for your community and make a difference that actually matters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like you said a, a bit earlier, it's social media is quite toxic and, a lot of people just post things just to get their little ego boost, the little, the little notification. Oh, someone's liked your photo. Wow. Brilliant. Don't even know that person. That's yep. You know, if I could draw, I'd rather draw something. And then my wife and kids go, Oh, dad, you did a really good drawing there. It's like, ah, cheers. That's better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I had quite a bit of uh, positive feedback coming back from the from the game itself, but the the one that really got me was from from the missus and the kids. They literally said she went, "I'm so proud of you for doing it." It's like ah, that that's that's the one I wanted. I wanted that one. I didn't need like likes and likes and likes on Facebook and Instagram. I don't need that. Yeah, it's just we uh, we've forgotten how to talk to each other. We've forgotten how to interact as humans, and we'd rather be staring at our screens, hanging out with each other in person, than we are 
actually looking at each other in the eye and, and having those personal conversations. And I'm hoping that, you know, whether it's podcasting or, you know, just going out to the pub and having a pint, so to speak, yep. you know, that people are really starting to reconnect with just being humans with each other and that you don't need a glass screen and an iPhone in front of you to have those connections. Yeah. And that, that's another one that comes back to uh, the build up to the, to the game was we would go and do um, training sessions. I'd, I'd, I'd run some soccer training sessions for the lads that are local. And um, yeah, we'd go for a pint afterwards and we'd have a, have a good chat, but it's, it's one of those that you forget. That's the one bad thing from the, from the pandemic was the, uh, deconnection from people but when we got back and we were and we were in the pub and just having that that laugh having a bit of banter between us it was like ah that's good i like that that's that's awesome it's like hey mate you're you, that shot you did shit and it's like oh yeah but what about your penalty that was awful yeah i know cheers and we carry on drinking and it's just like it's just it's just it's just good like one of my mates um came up to me and he was like, oh, we're going to still do the training sessions. And I went, we don't need an excuse, mate. We don't need to go and do a, a, a training session. We can just go to the pub if you want. He was like, yeah, we'll just do that instead. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll just go to the pub. We'll just go for a pint. Yeah, no, exactly. It's uh, these human connections, these interactions that we're having or rediscovering, so to speak, are are really critical to not only resolving our so-called mental health issues, but just resolving our issues we have as, as humans. Um, I'm hoping that people are realizing that they have a lot more power in their smaller social circles than they think, you know, and that yeah, yeah. maybe that maybe that the government isn't right about everything all the time, you know? And I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, it's, it's a struggle that's going on here in the U S is where, you know, I would say half the country is, basically like, fuck you. Uh, I, I'm a free American. Don't tell me what to do. I live my own life. And then the other half of the country is we have to listen to everything that the government tells us to do. And if you don't, you're not patriotic. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, in, it's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's quite similar here as well. Um, it's, but it's, it's funny. Cause you see, like we, we use our prime minister as an example. Good old Boris. Like, like I said, we, we've been told that we have to isolate now because my daughter's uh, positive. You wouldn't think she was positive, but anyway, that's a, that's by the by. Apparently, our uh, head of state, you might want to say, has just been pinged. They call it a ping, where he gets a notification to tell him that he's been in contact with someone who has tested positive. So in theory, he now needs to isolate. But he's not. So it's one of those. Do, do as I do. <laughs> not as no. Do as I say, not as I do. It's like it's fucking right now. Yeah, we we've definitely had a lot of the same issues here. Um, you know, and they've rolled out the vaccine, and it's it's been it's been a good experiment, I guess, for people who take it. Or now it's the debate of those who are vaxxed versus the unvaxxed. And at the end of the day, man it just comes back to why don't you just stop worrying about other people's fucking do business what, and, and just do what you want to do just, yeah. and, and just live your, live your life, man. If it's not immediately affecting the health and safety of your, you and your family, like directly yeah, yeah. put down the keyboard, just put down the keyboard, man, put down your cell phone. Yeah, you don't need away. to open your mouth. Just, it doesn't matter, dude. Just take care of yourself. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I, I find I found myself biting at um, a few anti-vaxxers myself because, like I said, I sometimes I can't help myself. And um, you know, I, I've I've had both I've had both jabs now. I'm I'm fully vaccinated um, because I wanted to get the best chance I could. If I got it, then I've got the antibodies in me because I read articles about and, and have a, a limited knowledge, but I understand how vaccines work, etc., etc. Sure. Um, and it's and it's yeah. I I had a little fight with a. Uh, with someone about it and they were like but this this article and this article i was like yeah okay cool that's cool um i'd, I'd like to give myself as much of a fighting chance as i could um i'm not going to go to a firefight without my body armor and helmet that, that right. was that was that was my theory behind it and they were like well if you want to be like that they're gonna microchip you and i was like oh right you've just lost all credibility in your argument now uh... Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> oh. whatever, man. It's it's like hey man, if that's how you feel, cool. Uh but you're not me and we're just gonna leave it at that. Carry yeah. on. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't have time for this stuff. Look, I'm all I'm all for I'm all for the debate. Don't get me wrong. So if you've got a credible argument of why not to get it, I'm all ears. Literally, I got massive ears. I will listen. And tip when you start bringing up things like microchipping me through a vaccine etc etc i've lost all credibility you've lost all credibility i'm not going to listen to you you're now an idiot yeah <laughs> um all your other science behind it sweet hit me with it well i think it, you, know, you bring up a really good point there is that i think one thing we're learning and I, maybe this is the detriment of technology in general is how much people are not valuing true intelligence and education anymore yeah where you know when i was in school over a decade ago <laughs> or even when i did my master's degree like you know it, but i had to like read articles about two different things and then i had to write like an argument and make my own decisions and you learned how to read and analyze and you know i can't i don't even see kids reading actual books anymore all they do is scroll through their phone to their ipads you yeah. know what i mean it's it's like education is such a a valuable thing that is being completely undervalued in society now people don't value genuine intelligence or genuine argument or research where i mean man when i was in college the first round it was like I'd be in the library for 10 hours researching and pulling old books and pulling information. This is before like you could really get good, credible information yeah. on the internet, you know, yeah. and, and you actually had to do like physical research and come up with your own decision and then defend those decisions based upon the research and backups you had. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, well, if, if it's not on Google, it doesn't matter. Like what? Like, you know, that's not an argument, man. Like, yeah. or Adam, you know, it's yeah. people are, people are so blinded by, misinformation on any topic i mean it could be about this coffee cup is not black you know what i mean like and like no it definitely is black you know what i mean and it's a different shade of black yeah and, <laughs> and people and people will just tear each other apart and some i think one of the biggest problems that society is going to face coming out of this whole covid thing we're not willing to accept when we're wrong yeah. And, and instead of admitting that, hey, maybe I made a mistake or maybe I was wrong. It's like, well, we're just not going to talk anymore. We're not going to be friends. Yeah. What? You know what I mean? It's like, no, yeah, no, no yeah. it's OK. It's it, 
I have a friend like, you know, actually one of the lawyers on my case uh, for the Air Force Academy, he's a severely highly democratic socialist. We are in complete, I, I'm very libertarian, you know, a little bit more conservative, I would say, because I'm in the military and stuff. Yeah, we, we are on two different playing fields when it comes to anything, when it comes to politics or personal beliefs or whatever. And at the end of the day, we sit down and have a beer and hang out anyway, because it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? We don't yeah. let those different. It doesn't and, matter. And, I would, and he's a PhD. He's a doctor. You know what I mean? Like he's a, way smarter than I am. But we have the ability to we can have disputes and we, we don't have to agree with each other and everything. But we don't let it affect our personal relationships. And people, I, I believe, just they don't have the levels of intelligence anymore where they need to understand that it's okay to still be friends and interact as humans, even if we don't agree with each other, we don't have to like literally just tear each other apart all the yeah, time. Exactly. exactly. And yeah, I, I was just going back to your, your point on, on education and reading through books and, and whatnot. I remember going through low level. Now this was our, our, our version of college. So that would be the top end of your high school, I believe. Sure. So about 18 years old, I was doing uh, sports and exercise science was my um, A-levels, we call it, um, or diploma. And I, I remember getting books given to me by Darren to go to go through and go, oh, right. So this is what this is. And then it's un underlined. Get your highlighters out. I don't see kids using highlighters anymore. No. Highlighting text and then putting yeah. in the references of the text that you've just stolen <laughs> yeah oh you know uh when i even i was at the air force academy we had something called a documentation statement and any argument or mathematical problem that we solved that we sought research on and help we had to write down those sources for everything we had to prove where we got our information from and that it was actual scholarly researched you know vetted stuff yeah. and now it's you don't even know what's real anymore it is so hard for people who don't understand how the educational literary system works of what's real and what's not. And like I said, it's, it's playing against ourselves and it's really hurting society as a whole. And like I said, it's a, uh, it's a perfect play by peer adversaries where that's China, Russia, and Iran, like going back to what we were talking to before, because there's some of the people that are putting out this false misinformation yeah, yeah. onto the, onto the internet. And there's nothing you can do about it unless you can, get down into the code of you know like the coding of that web page and where yep. it's coming from and where where it was distributed and who created this and who dr xyz is just because there's a name on the internet with a dr or a phd in front of them doesn't mean that that person's even real but yep. people are even I'll unwilling to research that i could do that you know <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it's concerning because like i said it, it just goes back to our initial argument of people are tearing each other apart over things that don't even really exist you know what i mean if you have somebody putting out false information with a fake title in front of them and this person's arguing that that article is correct and this person's arguing is that article even wrong they're not even thinking about the third aspect of it is is any of this real or this conflict yeah. between each other even actually happening it's 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 preconceived and it's it's uh, manufactured by whatever this misinformation might be right so that's why, I, I, like I said, I just tell people, take a step back, get the fuck off the internet, go have a pint, and go go, go hang out with the chickens or go plant a garden or something. Go do something productive. Yeah. Because I need, I need some chickens. Waste... I need I'm some chicken. chickens. Are... You just, they're great. I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know if you saw the latest project I, I stole from the English, but 
So you guys have something called English potting sheds. I, I yep. discovered in the UK where it's like a half greenhouse, half shed because you guys don't have a lot of space over there, but I'm like, I'm going to Americanize the fuck out of these plans. So what I did was I just, <laughs> you know, I went full scale, like increase the dimensions, like three X. And now I'm making this Americanized potting shed. That's actually what I'm working on today. Right. After I get off this call with you is, uh, you know, I just love building things. I love creating things. And it's uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I have to admit, I really enjoyed your um, commercial. You might want to say for the for the for the podcast with the with the shooting and the shooting range, blowing shit up. I was like, that's a, that's oh, like, the Tannerite, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's so that's much fun. Full, that's full black rifle coffee you're going through all right there. Yeah, those, <laughs> that's about as, as cool as I'm allowed to get out here without somebody calling the police. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, no, I, I always try to like you know I love my cadets. Like I said. Uh, going back to the original discussion, I guess, about my case at the Air Force Academy. Um, I love those cadets. I love those cadets now. I look back on I'm like, man, they're so young. They're 18 and 22 years old. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm an old man now compared to them. But they really are the future of our military. Whatever branch you decide to serve in, whether it's the Air Force or the Army or the Marine Corps or the Navy. And I just want to help them so much. And whatever happened to me to never happened to anyone else down there. And I, I get a lot of a lot of kickback from older guys or people my age going, stop rocking the boat, you know, stop making an issue out of these things, just go away. And I refuse to, yeah. I, I will fight for these kids and I will, I will fight to change that system because, you know, if you're, if you're, if the British military had stayed the way it has always been, you guys would be still sailing ships and, and loading muskets. Okay. Like <laughs> there's yeah. a constant, yeah. there's a, there's a constant evolution in the military. And if we're willing if we're willing to modernize our weapons and our tactics and our procedures to fight the enemy, who says we can't do that in the same way that the non-combat side of our military is run, whether 100%. it comes to healthcare, healthcare, me- mental health, sexual assault reform, the judicial system. It's okay to say we fucked up and that we can fix this. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think you'll find and it's the, as, as I think I've mentioned it before, we, we used to call them dead man shoes. So when you get to senior soldier level, what we would call flight sergeant, uh, warrant officer sort of level, they tend to be the ones that have been in the service for 30 plus years. And that's the reason why so many things haven't changed or haven't evolved is because they're still stuck in the time back in fucking 70s and 80s. And you're like, we can't be like that anymore. We have to be as evolved as we can so that we can adapt ourselves as all fucking good infantry people do all good militaries do you adapt and overcome if you stay stuck in the same way that you always have done you you're gonna die we'll take like you just said about uh fighting with muskets etc etc case in point world war one the british military first went over the fucking trenches in their fucking red tunics it's like what are you doing you fucking idiots on horseback. <laughs> you're gonna get mown down. Well. You're gonna get mown down by the fucking Germans with their fucking machine guns, and you're like, "Oh, they've got machine guns." We should, yeah, we should probably stop doing that. we should probably change our fucking rifle. Yeah, we probably should. Um, but yeah, we, we as a, as a as both America and 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 Britain military wise, they need to adapt and they need to evolve. 
and change with the times. They 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 put all these adverts out or or commercials as you guys would call them adverts out saying how how they they're changing. They're more woke. Like I think in the in the American fucking uh, Marines advert or something, it says, "I I grew up with two moms." It's like okay, that's cool. Don't need to mention that though. We're a military, but that's cool. You're you're changing with the times. However, actually within the military hasn't changed and the same with us it's like exactly uh, it's like i think our british army uh, commercials are like we need the 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 gamer we need the snowflake we need this it's like probably don't need the snowflake um but <laughs> it's like okay cool but that person's going to try and go through basic training he's going to get shouted at once he's going to cry in and go i'm all i'm all for keeping that side of the military that we need the the, the robustness it's the it's the bit to add to the 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 military belt the the bat belt the fucking the the extra bits of armor is what happens when you're not okay anymore and you need to talk about something or something has happened to you like a sexual assault who do i go to to talk about that because at the minute i'm going to go to someone and they're going to shut it down and it's going to go nowhere it's like we can't be like that no, exactly. And what I don't understand is, you know, how I don't care who serves in the military. The only thing I care about is can you shoot, move and communicate and put rounds down range where they need to go? I, I don't care if you identify as a squirrel. Awesome. You know what I mean? I, I still need you to be able to carry this rock, carry this equipment and shoot down range. And if you can't do your military duties, then maybe this isn't the profession for you. And, you know, it's like you're it seems like the British military experience is the same issue that the U.S. military does is that. The really good officers and NCOs, they get out earlier because they realize their worth outside of the civilian world. And yep. they know they're never going to change a broken system. And the only people who stay in the military and become our commanding generals uh, or, you know, who the secretaries and all this other stuff, they're the guys and gals who have submitted to a broken system and allow that broken system to never change and continue. And it's like you said, this is why things aren't changing. It's because we have this old boy, you know, the good old boys club mentality. Yep. And this is how it's always been. This is how we're going to keep it. It's never going to change. And that would cause the cynicism and the negativity. And I'm almost glad I got a letter from the president of the United States and secretary of defense, because I'm only an E4. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. And I have intimidated people so much at a level of my case that the highest ranking people in the chain of command have contacted me back. And the only thing, in my opinion, that that proves is that we're all human. We're all able to have a conversation with one another, no matter what your rank is, yep. you know, and it's okay to have these conversations and not be intimidated by the chain of command to voice your concerns. If something is broken, we need to fix it. And I, Alex Friedman, uh, his, his podcast is fantastic, but he said something like two weeks ago that really stuck with me. And they said, would you rather be in a knife fight and get stabbed 15 times within 30 seconds and then survive that? Or would you rather fight 10 to 15 years of just trying to get your reputation back and fighting for your dignity and respect amongst your fellow people? And I think 100% of the time I choose to get stabbed because I've been fighting this fight for over 11 years in the yeah. system. And that is how hard the system is to change this negative view towards mental health and sexual assault and military justice reform. 
And it's like, I almost rather have just gotten shot once and healed up and called it good. And, and at least people would have respected me more, <laughs> you yeah. know, in, in a way. I know that sounds terrible. No, no, I, it, it I, does. I agree. Um, it's like, you know, but people who have been deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, like, yo, you don't even know what it's like. And you haven't gotten blown up or shot at or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you want to switch places with me? Do you want to yeah. fight for your life and your, your money and your reputation for over a third of your lifespan? Exactly. I mean, make, make your decision. Yeah, definitely. It's something, it's something a lot of people don't think about, you know, and I think that's, it also feeds into the mental health stuff is, and this is why I think a lot of soldiers and whatever take their lives is because they realize that they're all alone when it comes to this stuff. And This is honestly why, you know, like why we podcast and why we talk about it and, and why we're trying to help other people do the same thing. Because however they handled this decades ago is sometimes they just get on the bottle and they sit in the room until they pull the trigger. Yep. And, and then they end it. That's, it. That's how it is. And, uh, and a lot of the time it is because they don't have anyone to turn to. And. If they think that they then think if I do turn to one of my friends, they're just going to tell me to man up anyway. So it's or, or say something along the lines of there's nothing wrong with you. You didn't you didn't see or do anything. It's like, whoa, this is me talking from experience now. It's like, yeah, your fucking mind doesn't work like that. Yes, I went away to um, Iraq and Afghanistan twice. Yes, I wasn't on a tour like our powers and our Marines have done where they've had multiple contacts, multiple casualties, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't mean that I didn't go through different types of stress within my life, within my personal life. And it's all boiled down because I didn't talk. And all of a sudden now I'm fucking struggling. Not so much now. Now I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. Don't get me wrong. Far from being completely <laughs> inverted commas, normal. Um, but it's a journey that we're all on and I'm, I'm not afraid to, to talk about it. And if me talking about it, get somebody else to talk about it. Fucking brilliant. If I, if yeah. I have to, if I have to take uh, the trolls, the, the bullying, the, the shit from people that I served with so that other people can see that it's okay that you can talk and, and it helps. I'll take it. I'll take all the fucking, shit from people because i know how small-minded they are i know that really deep down they're probably struggling and they want to lash out at somebody and i'm an easy target i'm not an easy target though fellas just so you know (laughs) yeah no i mean i i deal with the same thing you know i would say that there's a there's a large majority of people who do support what i'm doing and out of those people who do support me, they don't want to talk publicly about it because they don't want to be retaliated against. Yeah. They don't want to admit that they have a problem. They don't want to admit that their Air Force Academy is broken. It needs to be fixed. And then there's a couple of classmates that I deal with who think I'm a complete scumbag and a liar and made all this stuff and that I'm just doing to get public attention. And I, I assure you, uh, my only desire in life is to sit at my house and farm and not talk to about, you know, I know this also sounds bad, but I'm sure you'll agree with me is that when people leave the military, even though I'm still serving in the guard, though, um, they have this loss of purpose. Like they're not contributing oh. anything anymore. 
And they have a real hard time finding a purpose outside the uniform. And to be fair, I found my purpose outside the uniform. I have a great profession and a job that has absolutely nothing to do with the military that even if I was left the military tomorrow and it would have no immediate effect on my life because I know I'm contributing something to the greater good of humanity. And sometimes these guys just can't get over what they did 10 years ago, you know, as a special forces guy or as a ranger or whoever, you know, Billy badass. And I'm like, is this how you're going to identify for the rest of your life? You only did that for a short period of time in the span of your life. And that's the only building block you got. Go out and get an education. Go out and find a passion. Yeah, go build model airplanes. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, yeah, you have that's... to, you have, you have to be able to detach yourself and find a reason. Because if you don't, then this is where, the, like you said, this is where the veteran communities beat up on each other. Yeah, for yeah. no reason. We're just causing a bunch of infighting. It's like, bro, you understand, ninety percent of the military is a support function. Only a, you know a very small portion of the military actually are trigger pullers and bomb yeah, droppers, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everyone else is, you know. The airplane's got to get fixed. The tank's got to go to maintenance and someone's got to cook and someone's got to put the lights on and the water and they forget yep. about all those people, you know, and it's a team effort. And the fact that, and there are some shit bags in the military and there's some great heroic people. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, we need all of those people to function as a team for our militaries to be functional. And if you're going to waste your time tearing down the same people that volunteered to give yeah. their life for their country under any circumstance. That's an internal issue that you need to ask a question of yourself about yeah, why yeah. are you even doing that? I, I totally know? agree, mate. I really do. Cause I, I was that guy when I first left. Sure. First, the first few years that I, I'd, I'd left, I was like, Oh, so what is so the first thing? So what did you, what, what do you do? Oh, I'm a veteran. I did this. And it's like, Oh, cool. And then it was, I literally had nothing else to talk about yeah. other than other than that. And it was like, come on, we, there's other things out there that I'm passionate about that I wanted to do. Um, I've now done it um, in, 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 in this form as a, as the, as the podcast, this is sort of my outlet. And like we said, we, we don't have, we don't have to just talk about military stuff. We don't have just military fucking guests. I have Darren on Darren basically hates he doesn't hate the military but he hates all that sort of thing it was quite a funny uh thing from the from the football match uh darren did a did a darren where he turned up late and uh we were all ready in our warm-up gear and we were gonna have a a, a team photo and he was late and uh the charity has um rock to recovery is the is the is the cause and they have uh two blokes that dress up as what they they call as the old soldier where he dresses up in the old World War Two. Yeah, I saw those and, pictures. Yeah, and he 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 started briefing Darren up. He was like, "Come here, man, bun," and started like proper going into him. And I was I was just chuckling to myself because I was like, "Darren's not going to like that because he 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 hates the fact that my dad shouts at him like that. He hates the fact that I do it." And That's hilarious. That it is completely the wrong person to do it. And I was like, "He's just going to just be like, yeah, whatever, mate. What, what are you doing?" <laughs> it's really funny yeah that, he he loves all that sort of stuff but yeah he's one of the one of my favorite guests to have on darren because we can just talk about anything really yeah basically do we talk shit for an hour usually when we're drunk and then we're like should we bother putting this episode out we've got like four episodes that have never been released because we were too drunk during the during the episode he does it on purpose now so he'll hit the record button so he gets the audio 
because he knows that I will release it anyway. Because I do that. That's funny. So yeah, that's funny. He's got four or five that he's just got in his archive, and he's like, I can't release those. It's like you can. They're probably the best episodes that you got. And he's like, well. Well, Tom, I just want to, I mean, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing with your veteran outreach stuff. And, and like I said, finding your purpose beyond the military. And thank you. Thank you for bringing me on and keeping in contact with me. I mean, of course. It, it means it means a lot that I have a little bit of support from the international community and and putting the pressure on our government to do the right thing. Because like I said, you know, our government shapes a lot of international military policies and drags you guys into shit with us all the time. And, you know, if uh, we have outside pressure to force us to do the right thing the morally correct thing, which is what the United States should stand for. You know, hopefully we're going to make those changes together and I uh, love your podcast. I listen to every episode I can, especially when I'm going in and out of work. And um, like I said, it's therapy, man. It's, it's great to hear people like you doing so many positive things for the people in your communities and, and all the support that you have from all your sponsors and, and everything else. It's, it's awesome to see how much you've grown literally in the one year since we've talked. Slow process, but it's an enjoyable one. It definitely is. As you, as you know, I, yours. I, I aspire to be like you, Tomo. I aspire hopefully <laughs> that my, my platform will get only as big as yours one day. So it'll be bigger. America always does it bigger and better. <laughs> Trying to. But yeah, for any anyone who's interested, please, you know, follow me on Instagram, Adam Dorito, Twitter, same thing. Uh, f- you know, find the Embark podcast and uh, the Dark Saber if you want to learn about, you know, our service academies and, and what we're trying to do to change. So, uh, you know, any questions or if you guys need any help with the mental health stuff too, please reach out to me and I can help find your resources as well, no matter what country you live in. So definitely. And uh, yeah, there was a privilege is all mine to have you on again. It's always fun. Yep. Hopefully we'll, we'll do another update and hopefully by the time we talk next, this is all be resolved and we can just go, I'm going to go fly to the UK and uh, we'll just have a pint and call it a day. Yep. That, that sounds like the better plan. <laughs> it does. Cool, man. Thank you so much, Tamo. Enjoy the rest of your day. It's early in the morning there, isn't it? Yeah, it's about zero nine. So plenty of plenty of day. Plenty, of, plenty of day. Plenty of day. Well, enjoy. Enjoy your uh, pot- pottery barn or whatever you're building now. Pottery <laughs> barn. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Tomo. Thanks. Enjoy. Enjoy. Catch you in a bit. Bye.